0: Great to see everybody this morning. Uh, let's open up with a word of prayer and then we'll get started today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to gather together. We thank you for the wonderful fellowship that we enjoy here. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells us as believers. And I just pray that uh, we would be willing to be conformed to your image this morning and the things that we. Uh, Learn from your word. And we just pray for your will to be done in this service and in our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as we have been doing uh, over the past. Oh, boy. Oh, there we go. As we've been doing over the past couple weeks, I want to bring some articles to your attention as studying the book of Proverbs is really wrapped up in having a biblical worldview. And so we get some, uh, some opportunities to apply that worldview to things that are in, in the news of late. And so here's one that I found on the Daily Wire uh, from this past week, August 31st, 2022. It says, California Senate passes transgender refugee bill. Eroding parental rights, and so if we've talked about the uh, the fact that God has structured the world and life in a certain way, and He's done what are referred to as divine institutions uh, that really are that we find in in the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis. Uh, 1 through 11 is where we find most of those divine institutions established. And uh, it's the way that God has created the world to operate. And, of course, society, fallen humanity, wants to just disregard that. One of those divine institutions is, is uh, marriage, between a man and a woman, that's Adam and Eve. God directed that from the very beginning. As soon as he created two people, he essentially brought them together in marriage so that they would have children and fill the earth. Which brings us to another divine institution that is the family. And the family is under assault from, from all directions. It, uh, continuing assault, this isn't something new of course. And so we, we, this issue in particular, the transgender issue, uh, just attacks the created order on a number of fronts, obviously. The article says the California State Senate passed a bill on Wednesday that would make the state a haven for children who wish to go through transgender surgeries and parents who support them in the procedures, But it would also make it more difficult for parents who do not want their child to go through such treatment. Uh, And then it talks about how the bill was introduced and gives some some other quotes. The, The bill states that a California court could have temporary emergency jurisdiction if the child is present in this state And the child has been abandoned or it is necessary in an emergency to protect the child because the child or a sibling or parent of the child is subjected to or threatened with mistreatment or abuse, but also because the child has been unable to obtain gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental care. So in other words, if the child wants to... Uh, go the child, someone under the age of 18, desires to go through this uh, surgery procedure to permanently transform them, Uh, they can just walk across the border into the state of California and suddenly they have, uh, according to this bill that will be signed into law, they will have Uh, The state of California will, quote-unquote, protect them and allow them to have these surgeries in spite of what the parents desire. The bill states that a California court would have jurisdiction to make a child custody decision if a child and at least one of the parents or a person acting as a parent have a significant connection with California. The bill notes that this connection requirement can be met if the child is in California for the purpose of obtaining gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental health care. So if they just go to the state uh, and they have a parent or someone acting as a parent, but wait, there's more, California courts can decide not to give those parents custody of their own child. California courts can decide that child is better off going into foster care because those parents in that other state won't agree to gender-affirming care. So if the child is there and the state determines that their their parents are wrong and they're denying this care, quote-unquote, care to the person, uh, they can make a decision and put the child into foster care and then give them the, the surgery that they're Seeking So as I mentioned, there's just a number of issues that are in this whole transgender uh, a, uh, issue that are at play that are contrary to what the Bible says. The Bible says that God created people, male and female. He created males and females in the image of God. And there's, it's a binary choice. There's either one or the other. And of course, of course, there are problems uh, when people have medical issues, when it's not as cut and dry as it is, the other 99.9% of the time, and, and well, that's a medical issue, of course. Uh, and uh, twenty upwards of 20% of, of people, I think it's under the age of 25, are now answering surveys that they're not sure what gender they are, or they are... Fit within the LGBTQ plus category, twenty percent. I mean, twenty percent of people aren't born in a way that they're not sure which gender they are. Obviously, by uh, which is obvious by looking at them. So this is this is clearly becoming becoming an issue, and and this in transgenderism or. Uh, it used to be called gender dysphoria. It still is called that is not something new what 's new is twenty percent of people having this mental what used to be classified as a mental issue and it 's a real it 's a real problem it 's a real thing that used to be. Treated and now it's being treated with saying, "Oh, your mental problem that you have is is that's your right to have that mental problem." So, as a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, some places even younger than that, sure have these irreparable surgeries, take these drugs, and and uh, and it's all going to work out for the good, and just a just a real. A real problem, but there's also some good news that comes uh, from this article. Federal Appeals Court rejects transgender mandate. Uh, and this is from the Bi- Biblical Recorder. Is that what it is? Biblical Recorder? It's not showing up on my screen here. August 30th, 2022, the Biden administration received another setback from a federal court, this time at the appellate level in its effort to institute transgender rights, even at the expense of freedom of conscience. Conscience. The U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans blocked August 26th a Department of Health and Human Services rule. That's a whole nother issue. Uh, that require doctors and hospitals to perform gender transition procedures as well as abortions that 's one i haven 't even hadn 't heard of before, but apparently the Department of Health and Human Services has mandated that hospitals must perform these surgeries for people. The unanimous opinion by a three judge panel upheld a twenty twenty one permanent injunction by a federal court in Texas that barred enforcement of the regulation an action also taken by a federal judge in North Dakota. The Biden administration's support for transgender rights experienced another court defeat in July when a federal judge in Tennessee blocked enforcement of guidelines from the Department of Education and Equal Employment Opportunity Commission Well, they are being legally challenged by 20 states. Those rules mandated schools must permit students to use the restroom and locker rooms as well as to compete on sports teams of their gender identity, of their biological sex, rather than uh, how they were born. Whoa. Uh, So... Some things that are happening out there that unless you're just totally engaged with what's going on, you may not even realize that these things are happening. The Department of Education mandated that schools must allow boys to compete on girls' teams and boys to use girls' locker rooms if they identify that way. But thankfully, uh, some of these courts have... Have struck these things down at least at this point anyway so there there 's some information to keep in mind as we uh, go to the voting booth here in uh, November of this year you know what what sort of candidates are supporting these issues, and who is not supporting them? who is against them It, it behooves us to to investigate that and, and vote with the Bible in mind. Is the person that you're voting for uh, affirming these kinds of ideas, or do they uphold uh, biblical principles of family, uh, males and females, and delineations between the two, and these kinds, of, these kinds of things that are pretty obvious, I think, to everybody sitting in here. And on a completely different note, we'll finish up with this one from the Times of Israel. Uh, dated August 30th, 2022, Russian Jewish politician sentenced to jail for comparing Stalin to Hitler. I mean, yeah, okay, this happened in Russia, but, and I apologize for the ads on the screen if something inappropriate comes up. Uh I can't scroll on the iPad, unfortunately. Uh, a Moscow court on Tuesday handed a 15-day prison sentence. So it's just 15 days, so, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, a Moscow court on Tuesday handed a 15-day prison sentence to a liberal Jewish politician who drew parallels between Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin's regime and Nazi Germany. Leonid Gozman, 72, was sentenced for a 2020 Facebook post. I mean, I mean just, it would be funny if it weren't so horrendous. Sentenced to jail for a Facebook post, in which he mocked the Russian legis- legislation that banned likening the Soviet Union to Nazi Germany, saying, quote, It's wrong to put an equal mark between them, Stalin and Hitler. Hitler was an absolute evil, and Stalin even worse, is what uh, the Facebook post was, and he's absolutely true. St- Stalin, uh, uh, Hitler wishes he would have been able to murder as many people as Stalin did. It, it, uh, and the reason why they murdered so many people is because that well, they're they're of the same mindset. Uh, the the Nazis are. Are not, were not the right wing of Germany. That is an absolutely ridiculous statement. Uh, the Nazis the socialist is right in the name of the Nazi party. So when Democrats, for example, uh, apply the Nazi moniker to people on the right of the political spectrum, that is that's complete foolishness. Uh, on Tuesday, Moscow's Traversky District Court ruled that Gosman's uh, remark violated the law. Uh, and so that just uh, is very interesting. The man basically states the truth in a Facebook post, and he goes to jail for 15 days. He is a dual citizen of Israel and uh, Russia. And the move, he's also under investigation for not declaring his Israeli citizenship in time and this kind of thing. Uh, the move against the dual national Gosman comes as Russian authorities have also cracked down on the operations of the Jewish agency, the quasi-governmental body which facilitates and encourages Jewish immigration to Israel. The moves against the organization have raised grave concerns among Russia's Jewish population amid speculation that Moscow is making moves against Jerusalem's interests due to Israel's limited support for Ukraine, which remains under Russian assault. So the Russians are mad at the Israelis because they're sort of limited uh, support of Ukraine, so they're going after this man for a 2020 Facebook post coming to a uh, court of law near you some sometime <laughs> if things continue on the path that we are going the courts in America probably will not uh, do anything much different i i have the feeling that they would already like to do that instead you're just put into Facebook jail and not allowed to post things for a little while if you post things that they, that they don't like. However, in other places of the world, you can go to jail for those kinds of things. So may the Lord help us uh, to be stayed upon his word in these times that we're living. Help us to be courageous. which brings us to the book of Proverbs, which is a wonderful book of the Bible to go to to learn how to live the way that God wants us to live. The, we've entitled this How to Act Like a Christian because these truths apply to us today exactly the same way that they did for the nation of Israel. The, the book of Proverbs, as we saw uh, last time in some of our introductory material is very different than other books of the Old Testament and the New Testament in particular as it is it, as it has to do very specifically with your daily life that makes it very different than the rest of the Old Testament that was dealing primarily with the nation as a whole uh, how their leadership would is supposed to act and how they failed and these kinds of these kinds of national issues. Well, the book of Proverbs just gets right to the heart of the matter with with us as individuals, with humans as individuals, and it's directed, of course, primarily to believers. And so today we'll actually get more into the text. We've looked at Proverbs one verses one through seven already. Kind of as in an overview fashion, just to to because it lays the groundwork for what the rest of the book is actually about. It serves as an introduction, but there's also some material in the language that is very applicable to us and shows us how to have a biblical worldview. That's what that's what this book is really all about, uh, because acting like a Christian or acting like a godly person begins in the mind. That's why uh, Proverbs 1-7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It doesn't say uh, following the law is the beginning of knowledge or going to church every Sunday or saying your prayers three times a day is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge. No, it's the fear of the Lord. Something that goes on right between our two ears in our minds is the beginning of knowledge. And that's, that's kind of what a biblical worldview is, is having knowledge from God. And then acting wisely is putting those things into practice. It's not just, uh, it's not just having the knowledge, but it's also putting them into practice. Uh, And it is not possible, it is not possible to act like a Christian without a biblical worldview. It's impossible to act like a Christian if you don't think like a Christian. And that's what having a biblical worldview is really all about. So this, this book, of course, is, is, Completely concerned with sanctification, the the second tense or the present tense of our salvation. It's not telling us how to have our sins forgiven forever. It's telling us how to live in a way that pleases God. And that's as individuals, not just a nation. That's what most of the Old Testament is about, how Israel was supposed to please God as a nation. This one gets right to Right to the individual. So we've seen the, pro- the the title of the book comes from the first word, Proverbs. Uh, the author primarily is Solomon, the son of David. Uh, there are a couple of other uh, individuals who are named. Agar and Lemuel wrote the last two of the Proverbs. The theme is wisdom. The theme of the entire book is wisdom. Applying biblical knowledge or applying knowledge to your everyday life, living in a way that is wise and pleasing to the Lord. And the foundation of that, as I mentioned earlier, is the fear of the Lord. It's fear is not uh, running away from him and being scared of him. Fear is recognizing who God is and who you are in relation to him and as we saw in our study of Revelation, giving him glory, submitting to, to that truth, submitting to who God is and who you are, submitting to the fact that God created you as a male or a female and submitting to that fact that he is your creator. And therefore, uh, he is the one who has authority over you. And we need to align our lives uh, according to his desires for us. Uh, we looked at uh, at the structure. If you'll remember, it's kind of broken down into several different sections. Proverbs 1 through 9 being uh, kind of along the lines of Psalms, like uh, an entire chapter of, of the Bible that is geared towards one, typically one topic. And then we get into, beginning in chapter 10, kind of more what we think of, as a proverb, that are just short, pithy statements that are poetic. And uh, that's the form of the writing for the majority of it. it, The the entire book is poetry, but he uses, uh, Solomon will use in Hebrew poetry, parallelism. So where he's comparing one half of a verse to another, half of the verse. He's expanding on it in some way, stating it in different words, contrasting two things with one another. That's what parallelism means. And the theology of Proverbs we saw last time is that well, it's it describes very clearly the God of the Bible. The same God that the rest of the Old and New Testament describes. We saw that He's Creator, He's Sovereign, He's All-Knowing, He's He's imminent, He's transcendent, He's in the world, but He's outside of the world. All of these concepts of of God are exactly the same in Proverbs as they are in other sections of the book. So today, we want to concentrate on this idea of having a biblical worldview. How how to have a biblical worldview. And so, uh, that should be our desire as Christians, we recognize that the Bible is God's word to us. He, he's not, uh, in spite of what some of the charismatics or even neo-evangelicals are going to tell you, you know, God isn't uh, speaking audibly to us today. He, he's spoken to us in his word, and that's how he communicates to us what he, what he wants us to know. And that's very objective instead of subjective. It's it's factual. It's written down right here. There's, there, you know, we have to interpret what the words say, but they are written down, and clearly there has, there's one meaning to the text. It doesn't mean something different to you than it means to me than it means to somebody in Israel. It It, it means what it says. And our job is to find out what it says and what it, what it means. So it's very objective. It's factual. It's right there for us. It's not, uh, it's not subject to being Photoshopped and these kinds of things that, that even videos are today. It's written down as, as objective truth for us. Me thinking that I'm hearing God's voice is very subjective. Well, he might tell me something different than he's telling you. And so it just opens up all kinds of, all kinds of problems. So the, the Bible, being God's truth, is foundational, of course, to having a biblical worldview and thinking the way that God wants us to think. That's what a biblical worldview is. And then we see some qualities of a biblical worldview. What does it look like in the foundation of a biblical worldview as well, so we begin with the author of a biblical worldview, and we see the, the author in this case, the human author, of course, is Solomon, like we've already seen, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, Proverbs one one. And so, who is? If we see that that phrase there: Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Well, okay, well. Who is the king of Israel? Who is the one? What is Israel? And that's obviously a very big question uh, that is very important to us. And essentially, it comes down to that God, one of the divine institutions that we mentioned earlier, is that God has created nations. He divided the people into nations at the Tower of Babel. And, and the Bible even tells us he set the boundaries for these different people groups. Well one of those people groups is the nation of Israel, obviously a very important (laughs) nation in God's uh, plan for the world. And he is, he is their God. And as we see in the fact that God revealed this wisdom to Solomon and that the Bible tells us that, that this is God's word to us. He, in essence, is the author of these texts. He inspires the human authors to write them, but in essence, he is the author. And and who is the God of Israel? Well, he is the eternal God, according to Exodus 3.14. He is the one that uh, Moses Met And and in the burning bush, Exodus 3.14, God reveals to Moses what he should uh, tell the people. Well, who should I say is sending me to them? If you remember the story of Moses, the one who is going to be the one who leads Israel out of captivity from the Egyptians. God said to Moses, Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. That's the, the Hebrew term Yahweh. Essentially, we're not exactly sure how to pronounce that uh, Hebrew word, but I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And that, that's a term that really indicates that God is eternal, that he's, that he's always existed. That's the God of Israel, the eternal God. And he's also the creator. Genesis 1-1, the very first uh, phrase of the Bible, reveals this to us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all things that, that we see and all things that we don't see in this world. Of course, this is the one who is the author of these Text, things to keep in mind. If we want to have a biblical worldview, we ought to understand who is revealing these things to us. He's the eternal God. He is the creator God. He is the one who will solve our sin problem. In fact, has already solved our sin problem in the person of Jesus Christ. Genesis 3.15, after the first sin, God promised to fix this problem for us. He said to Satan, I will, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, the seed of the woman, shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Kind of the first, uh, I don't know if vague is the right word, but first promise that God is going to solve the problem of evil and he's going to do it through a human being who is going to eventually be born of this woman, and so on a on an eternal scale, God has solved the problem of sin in the person of Jesus Christ, this seed of the woman uh, on a on a day to day basis, God has also fixed our sin problem, and we see evidence of that again right in the very beginning genesis three twenty one if you 'll remember when Adam and Eve sinned. They fashioned clothes for themselves, coverings for themselves. But God said, no, that's not good enough. I will make a covering for you. So there's a lot of, a lot of truth wrapped up in Genesis 3.21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So they, so they could have uh, protection from sin in their daily life. It's also a, a great... A lot of symbology there about how sin is forgiven. Something had to die. God has to do it for you. You don't do it for yourself. There's a whole lot of, of truth there. But he, God, this God of Israel, the eternal God, creator God, savior God, he's the one who has given us this wisdom. He is the, the author of a biblical worldview. Very important for us to, to understand. And he is the God of wisdom. He's omniscient. There's plenty of places we can go in the Bible to understand that. One of those is Psalm 139. Psalm 139.1, "'O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways.'" even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. This is the one with whom we are having to deal with. He knows what we're thinking before we we think it. He is omniscient. He knows everything that is going on in the world, past, present, and future. He knows all of the possibilities of things that could happen uh, in this world. And he is the one who gave this wisdom to Solomon, uh, when he asked for it. First Kings three ten. It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing, asked for uh, wisdom. And because you asked for wisdom, God essentially says in these verses that uh, I'm going, I'm going to give you the wisdom to be able to rule over the people, but I'm also going to give you. Uh, riches and honor and and these things that you that you did not ask for as a as a fringe benefit if you will and so not only is he the eternal god creator god savior god he's the all-knowing god this is the one who is giving us this information in the scriptures and so again what Ought we to think of these things? He's the God of truth and righteousness, uh, and this, of course, is true in the Old and New Testament. But uh, He's giving us this truth, and, and when He gives us His truth, He's giving us Himself. His very His very person is wrapped up in this truth. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so no one can come to a biblical worldview outside of what is in the Bible, of course. The same way that we can't come to God the Father through any other means other than Jesus Christ. That's the reality of the situation, as as hard of a truth as that may be for some people to swallow, uh, good quote unquote good Jews or good Muslims or good Hindus or good anything else, is not a pathway to God the Father. Jesus Christ and faith in what He did for us on the cross is the only way to Him, and He is the one who has authored. These truths. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul said, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. It almost seems like Paul was studying the book of Proverbs and his daily devotions before he wrote this section of uh, this letter to Timothy. But all scripture is inspired by God and is fit for us to, uh, so that we can have a biblical worldview and then put it into practice. That's what Paul is, is saying there. So this is the one who is the author. The, the very first step of having a biblical worldview is understanding who the author of the Bible is. And in essence, it is God. God has as allowed these things to be written by human authors and recorded and kept for us so that we can know how to please him. And so quickly, the qualities of a biblical worldview we see in verses two through six. Uh, notice it says Proverbs one, two, to know wisdom and instruction to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear an increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So that is really describing what a biblical worldview is in those verses. What do, you, what do you have to do to have a biblical worldview? Well, in essence, you need to take in God's Word and then apply it to the situations of life that you face. You know, not, every, not every decision is going to be delineated for you in the Bible. Where should I go to school? What job should I take? Uh, What should I do in this particular situation? Well, again, you're not going to be able to go to chapter and verse to, to find the exact way that you ought to deal with this friend of yours who has done this particular thing to you, and now what should I do? You need to go to the Scriptures, understand these kind of general principles, and then apply those truths to what you... The situation that you're facing, but the first thing that you need to know is to know wisdom and instruction. Living inside of God's reality—that's that is the absolute key to uh, to having a biblical worldview and being a wise person. And when we live outside of that, that's, that's essentially Satanism. When we're, when we're creating our own rules, when, as Satan says to Eve, our eyes are opened up to the possibilities of not doing things God's way, uh, not doing things God's way. That's what Satan, uh, when Adam and Eve are kind of naive, their, their view is God's way, and we uh, 6,000 years later, we see that as being naive, and it's an easy kind of trap to fall into. Well, I see it as them having a perfect biblical worldview. What they know is God's way, and that's how they're ordering their life. And Satan comes along and says, ah, you don't need to do that. And, and it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic when you can just kind of uh, open up your mind and be free and think and kind of do what you want. That's satanism. Satanism isn't necessarily uh having a false god on your shelf that looks really scary with horns coming out of his head and bowing down to that thing. Satanism is doing what you want in spite of what you know God's word says. So, satanism uh sounds really great on the outside and it it's uh it can be enticing. And, and that's why when we see in the New Testament uh, the Apostle John in particular telling people to avoid idols. Well, that, that's, that is what pagan worship and all of these false religions are in essence really wrapped up in just kind of doing your own, doing your own thing. And, and that every time ends up leading to debauchery and immoral living. Uh and we see that portrayed in uh Genesis three, one through seven, the opposite of that. When Satan goes to Eve, he uses this term uh essentially yada, the Hebrew term for know or and and uh knowing things, uh knowing how to live outside of God's reality. That's what he tempts them with, and that's what they do. Proverbs helps us as individuals to redirect us, our fallen minds, back into living in God's reality. And so a major part of this is being teachable. And how about we leave it right there? As much as I want to get to these topics of righteousness, justice, and equity, that's going to be our cliffhanger. That'll be the one to get you to come back next week, because there, if there are three terms in, in uh, contemporary society that are less understood <laughs> in terms of what the Bible says, uh, I'm not sure what they are. Righteousness, justice, and equity. Man, I want to give you my quote, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to wait until next week, so you'll have to come back for that as we continue our study of a biblical worldview according to God's way. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to look into your word. We thank you so much for the book of Proverbs that is so uh, relevant to us Today, we can see so much about who you are and how you want us to live in this book that is so re- easy to read and comprehend, and we just thank you. We thank you for that, because uh, a lot of times we need simple things as fallen people, and your answers are are easy a lot of times. They may not be easy to put into practice Uh, but they're easy to understand. And I just pray that you would help us to be willing to submit our lives to the truths that we find in your word, even though it may uh, be difficult in practice to do. We thank you for, for making it easy for us to understand. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to be conformed to your image each day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.